So you don't know anything. You're lost in space. Where is the earth? I don't know. Where's the vehicle? I don't know. Where's my limbs? I don't even know I got any. And so that's fun. Some people don't think it's fun. I think it's fun. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Mason Gravely. Uh, well, I'm not hosting today's episode because it's a it's a throwback Thursday episode. We are um, playing one from way back, episode 81. I promised it on Monday if you listen to that one. That one was uh, with Kurt Liljadal, who had two separate zero-gravity experiences. And that was a little taste of uh, of the space travel series, which is really just Monday's episode and today's episode. <laughs> but uh, back in episode 81, almost four years ago now, about three and a half years ago, this show had a, an astronaut guest, Story Musgraves. And he is an extremely accomplished astronaut, developed spacewalking. He was a big part of that, you know, like basically being out of the spacecraft, floating around in space. Um, pretty incredible person. I mean, with a name like Story Musgraves, how could you not be epic in every way? <laughs> but yeah, this guy's a an astronaut. He lived it. He went on many, many missions and has an incredible story, and I hope you enjoy talking to him. The audio is a little bad, and Kurt addressed that um, early on. I don't think it's in the actual interview, but he talked about it in the original intro. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe he was just, I don't know, bad reception or something, but uh, it didn't come through well, but it's so worth it to give this a listen because we don't ever talk to astronauts on this show. Uh, but I, I Unfortunately, Friday, I don't have anything space-related planned, so it'll be back to uh, normal adventure stuff. But come on, I mean, an astronaut. That is so cool. <laughs> but before we get started, um, if you'd like to be a patron of the show, supporter, patreon.com slash Podcast. Thank you to our new patrons. We got a few this week. Thank you. Really helps out a lot. Um, please share the show. We're, we're killing it already this year. 2019 is going to be our best year ever. Mark my words. And yeah, uh, and look forward to tomorrow's episode. We're going to have an update from Travis and Jen Parsons. Uh, he, he used to host the show and they have been traveling full time is the reason he does it now. And, and we're going to hear a six month update of his life, uh, their family's life. They decided to, sell a bunch of stuff, rent out their house, move into an RV full-time, and we're going to hear what it's been like. And I think you're going to be uh, happy with the results. I'll just put it that way. But tune in tomorrow for that. It's going to be it's gonna be great. Also, this episode is sponsored by Peak Refuel, freeze-dried meals. You've heard me talk about them before. They are fantastic food. If you need to stock up for your adventure this year, go to peakrefuel.com. Use the code ASP20 at checkout for 20% off. Um, all right, 
Well, here is the episode. Enjoy. Today, we have an adventure like none other that we've ever had on the show. We're going to talk about space travel. We have Dr. Story Musgrave, an astronaut with NASA for over 30 years on the line here, to tell you what it's like to fly in a space shuttle, to do extravehicular activity spacewalks, to design and develop Skylab, and many other amazing NASA feats. So, Story, thank you so much for being on the program. Sure enough, Kurt, glad to be here. Story, you had quite the career. Tell us a little bit about what all you did for NASA over the years. Yeah, well, I want to talk about um, athletics and sports. If you look at a spacewalking, well, I brought I brought the term choreography um, into the spacewalking world. So I trained with Dorothy Hamill, of the figure skating champion, on how you do spacewalks. And so, you know, Dorothy's got, uh, she knows what's worked in the past. She knows where the passions in the heart are. She practices things. She knows what you're good at, what you're not good at. And she continues to practice and work on things that converges on a final solution. That's what I'm going to do when the music starts. And you practice that until it starts, you can win the gold. And so uh, spacewalk are no different than a high jump. You work that whole thing out to inches. Exactly your position, how far from the bar and all that, you work that out to the inches and every finger and every toe, every part of your body. You know, whatever way you choose to get your center of gravity over that bar, uh, you arrive at a final solution. Now, there's different techniques, but you arrive at a final solution. How are you going to do that job? And that's what a spacewalk is. A spacewalk is my body and a whole bunch of tools. And so it's what's my body going to do out there, every finger and every toe, every arm, every leg, every move I make, and the moves I make with the tools that go out and get the job done, the plan done. And so you've worked that out over a long period of time, and you're hoping your imagination that you you got that choreography right. But that's a neat relationship then between, uh, between sports and spacewalking. Oh, yeah. You must... Boy, go through almost every variation and permutation of things you might experience when you're doing a job, like when you repaired the Hubble Space Telescope. You had to know what to expect and how to address the unexpected. Yeah, that's right. The uh, the expected is one plan, and that's the infinitely detailed plan I just spoke about. Right. You work some what-ifs, but you can't get too distracted working on what-ifs so you don't get the major plan down. Now, the major plan has got to come first, and it's got to be perfected. But then you look at the probabilities. What are the probabilities that you're going to have to take an alternative approach and you train and choreograph and prepare for that to the extent that you can? Well, Story, when I'm out in the driveway working on my car, there's no comparison. Yeah, there is. Well, my point is I can't work with gloves on because... You know, I need my nimble fingers. So how do you manage when you have a whole spacesuit on with limited visibility, climate control, gloves, That's the whole right. nine yards, and in zero gravity? You're exactly right, Kurt. It's a great question. I designed the car. I designed the task so that it can and must be done in a very bulky spacesuit without much tactile, without much dexterity. It's got bulk. It also doesn't have the same body I have. I got a wonderful shoulder joint that can move 360 in place and move forward and back. My spacesuit doesn't have a shoulder mm. joint. 
the joints in the space suit aren't necessarily positioned that closely to my joints. The important thing is it's not got the same body I got. So the space suit's got a body and I got my body. You put the two together and how are you going to work? And the other condition, of course, is in a free fall condition. Everything is it's free to float around. It's free to have motions and that kind of stuff in it. The fourth different factor is you do have mass. Now, we call it weightless. We call it the free fall condition, so things float. You still have mass. So you want to move from here to there. You're moving 480 pounds that you got to get going. And it, where you're going, you have to stop. And so also, you have the rotational inertia. What does it take to get you rotating in a certain direction? What's it take to stop the rotation? So a spacewalk, and that's uh, what it is. It is very bulky. Your suit not got the same body you got. It does have a lot of mass to get it going, get stopped, and you're in a free fall condition, which things are moving wow. around. That's what a spacewalk is. Now, you raised a very nice question about, gee, I work on my car, but if I was in your suit, I couldn't do that. I must design, I have to design your car. And so I designed Hubble Space Telescope to be serviced by a space walker. So I had to design the telescope. Me, of course, when I ever say I, I did it, or me, or my, I'm talking about the team, of course, not just me. But the serviceability then, I had to identify every failure. And you got a certain component, say, that I got to change out. The component break, I take the old one out and put the new one in, just like your starter in your car. I must have access. I must have access from way. If I can't get there, I need tools reach around the corner. If I can't get there, I need very large extension wrenches and ways to grab that tool. And if it's got little tiny PC kind of connectors, that's another huge problem, so I can't get at mm. it back there. So I tell engineers that component cannot be buried in the bowels. It's got to be a front rocket wrenching. Wow. So it takes a lot of planning then. Yeah, it does. But the, the critical thing is about you working on your car with, with bulky gloves. You have to design the hardware, the accessibility, the visibility. you got to design the hardware to be done in bulky gloves. Well, Story, would you tell us what it was like to step out of the space shuttle for the very first time and to be floating in space and looking down on the Earth and up at the stars, the moon, whatever was around you? What was that like? Well, of course, you had three days uh, to get used to what we call zero gravity. For the physicists, we know it isn't zero gravity. It's your right. velocity that produces the free fall condition for you. You've had three days, four days, and they don't allow spacewalks. Uh, they want you to have had three or four days to get used to the zero G before you do a spacewalk. So, and you don't step out, you float out the door. So I'm a free fall parachutist, and I have stepped out of a lot of airplanes. Or I've stepped onto the step that I'm going to be on that I push off from. But so I thought I'd always had a twinkle in my eye when I thought about I am a free fall parachutist and man, a, a 300, 400 mile fall is just going to be kind of magic. <laughs> so when I, so when I, I thought I'd invoke that on myself just for humor, I did do the shuttle's first space walk and my challenger's first flight. And so it was a, it was a new kind of thing. Uh, the United States hadn't done a spacewalk in 10 years, and so we were embarking on that again. But going out the door just for humor, you know, I saw if I could invoke in myself a free fall, 
like, you know, I'm stepping out the door and there's earth down there, you know, 300 miles away and I'm going to tell myself I'm going to make a jump. <laughs> kind of fun. But zero G had taken over and I know um, I'm not stepping on anything. And I'm, I'm simply floating, and I float outside the door, and I'm going to continue to float out there. But there is a, there is a magic in the freedom, the three-dimensional freedom you have. Even though at times it can hurt your work, uh, it is magic to have that kind of lightness. And uh, there is, of course, no sense of fall. There isn't fall parachuting either. You go out the door at 12,000 feet, the, the earth doesn't rush at you. When the earth is rushing at you, it's too late. So from 12,000 feet, even down to 2,000 feet, the earth does not rush at you as you fall. You don't have the fear of falling, um, even though you're working, you know, with, with no restraint at all out there. You may be in full restraints at some work site to restrain yourself as you put force on things, but in general, you don't have any restraints. So there's, there's nothing that evokes, you know, the emotion in you that I could fall. That's simply not there. Yeah, but the place is spectacularly beautiful. You have a little more of you because you can turn the body if you want to see what's in a different direction. You turn your head inside the space suit, so you don't have to move the suit itself. And so you've got 180 view inside just by turning your head and moving your eyes. So the views are spectacular, things like aurora, you know, and purple lightning down there to, and uh, the meteors coming in and moon running across the water the city mm. lights all that kind of stuff you know so you're ta you are taking all that in too you're taking that all as you work just so few people that have ever experienced that if you think about the human population and what a what a unique sure. and special experience sure and the fact is that, that puts a little weight on your shoulders because they could have been there, you know. It's just that you got the privilege. And so it's a little weight on your shoulders, the responsibility that you have to do that right. And you also have to have the experience so that you can give that to other people. I'm sure you have tried some freeze-dried and dehydrated meals before, but I promise you, you've never had anything close to as good as Peak Refuel. Uh, they make freeze-dried meals, which is different than dehydrated. It takes way less water to cook. It cooks a lot faster, and it, they cook the meals before they put everything together. A lot of companies just throw all the ingredients in there, and when you cook it, it's the first time it's ever been cooked. With them, all the flavors have cooked together. It's super tasty, and you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and using the code at checkout, ASP20. Seriously, give them a shot for whatever adventures that you have planned this year. Well, you know what? I want to take a moment here to thank you for your service, because you you had the privilege of being there, but you earned that privilege. But you also, in being there, represented all of humanity as well as the United States, and you did things for all of us to, uh, to move the space program along and I just want to say thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And, of course, I, I was having fun, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> if you're not having fun, you know, get something else. you got to have fun because that guarantees. And that's a starter, a starting point for doing it well. If you if it's fun, you got a passion for what you're doing. Well, speaking of fun, I know that you've probably been asked this question 500 times, but I have to ask it. And i got 500 different answers, too. <laughs> what is it like... To lift off in the space shuttle, what does that feel like? Uh, the lift off ain't so good. It's logistics and mechanics. 
And the trouble is, is, see, you're looking straight up. You're not watching yourself depart Earth in a wonderful camcorder, like hang, hanging a camcorder looking out the back window, which I did. So I flew on Challenger's first flight. We didn't have the orange escape suits. I wasn't in a suit. I was simply in coveralls. And so I was able to turn and, you know, to rotate over in my little couch and look out the back window. So, you know, you're not seeing anything out the front window. You're just seeing the sky and the clouds ahead of you. That's not much of a view. So as soon as I saw, I'm not going to see very much. I turned and looked out the back window, and that is spectacular. You come off that pad. So when you're in a dragster, you're supposed to be looking out the front window, not the rear window. But the front window, there wasn't much. So I immediately turned and looked out the back window, and I just saw myself just shoving away from that pad. Man, I was... The earth was just disappearing. <laughs> and, you know, the pad was disappearing, and the coast of Florida disappearing, the peninsula of Florida. Man, we're just hauling. And we're really hauling. That's a heck of a drag. <laughs> but none of this is very nice. The shake, rattle, and roll, and the vibrations, 137 decibels of sound, that's in the cabin. If you know what 137 is, that's exponential. Man, it, the vibrations are so bad. But, um... Uh, anyway, uh, he just struck on. Now, after they added, and I did a second flight, too, on coveralls. That was also on Challenger. But after the Challenger accident, we went to the orange escape suit. That changed the equation drastically. They didn't change anything in the shuttle. They didn't change the seat we were in or the couches. They didn't change anything. And they put this massively big suit on us, and you couldn't fit. We couldn't fit mm. in the shuttle. But they didn't change the shuttle itself, so it became rather uncomfortable, a bulky suit. In, in a chair that was not designed for the suit. And so also with computers, they told us we have to wear the gloves in case we lose pressure after Challenger accident, but you couldn't do the computer with the gloves on. The computer wasn't dying, designed for a gloved hand. Uh, so we had to cheat and not wear the gloves. <laughs> but anyway, it got to be, uh, I had to get a big mirror so I look out the back window. So I had a big mirror strapped to my wrist so that I wouldn't lose my, my back window. Oh, yeah. But it is, it is not a great thrill ride. You know, it's not a theme park ride. You know, I like a theme park ride. I don't like the twisty, turny ones because I get motion sick. But, um, you know, I don't like to spin them up rides. But if you have a really soaring ride, theme park ride, it covers a lot of ground. So it's not much of a theme park ride because of the, the escape suit and the strapped in and the vibrations and the noise. And, of course, you don't like the risk. It's more risk than you like. There is no risk in a theme park ride. But you're you are undergoing risk, and you don't like risk. You want to come home. Well, it's it's just a giant controlled explosion, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. You're riding a bottle rocket, <laughs> <laughs> and then some. I had never said that one before. Hey, man, out of five hundred answers, you just got a new one. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Is that right, Dory? Is that right, sweetie? Launching on a rocket is like riding on a bottle rocket, like we did Fourth of July, right? It's like Daddy climbing onto one of them things and going up into the sky. Yeah. So that's my little nine-year-old. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. So that's answer 501. 501. Well, thanks for that. That's yeah. great. So what lessons did you learn from your time in space? What did you bring back with you that you would like for the rest of us to know? Uh, number one is that Mission Control Center. It's their mission. It's not mine, you understand. It's not my mission. So I'm the hands and I'm the eyes. I'm their extension. And they're the experts. And man, you get, you get synced up with them and they're, that is a true professional. And so of course I have 25 missions in mission control. 
And so people don't ask me too much about that. I have 25 missions where I'm the communicator in mission control, talking to other space line, other shuttle missions in the Skylab Apollo 2. But so the number one lesson of space life is how you understand that and how you can intuitively and directly sync up with that team on the ground so you have a seamless connection. Now that, that is true professionalism. But the way you're getting the job done and having them with you, having their expertise, and I have much, much more if you just want to talk about digital data and what you can see, I have much more information from the spaceship than you have. And there's, you know, two or three or four hundred of them there. So you've got to understand that the real expertise is there. And if you want them to help you in a very quiet way and not interfering, you keep them abreast of where you are and what you're doing so that they can follow along and be looking over your shoulder. Some people have the attitude, I'm going to do my thing, stay out of my way. Well, then you're not going to have those people helping. I guess that's not terribly exciting, but in terms of running a great mission, that's the most important part about it. Being up there, then, the difference is, is how smooth, and this is not the compulsive type anyway, it's how smooth you can flow through the plan and the checklist. And you do have a checklist, and it's books on end. And so you have 15 feet of books on end. That's your checklist for the mission you're going to do. Wow. And so it's it's what book are you in at what time. So the clock is running. The clock resets when you lift off to, to time zero. And what time is it? Now what book and what page are you going to be in? But the important thing is that you and Mission Control get that job done together. You may be the one on a checklist throwing all the switches and all, but mission control downstairs, they watch your actions on the monitor, see. But it's how smooth, and this is not just flipping switches and computer entries. There's a lot more art to conduct this. Like I say, it's not type A compulsiveness. It's an art form. Real parts about it are the window, which I cannot get enough of the window. I don't care how many months. I can't get enough of the window. Every minute I goes by in that window, I am seeing something spectacular. Something informational, something pure beauty, something historical, geographical, geological. My goodness, meteorological. It just goes on and on. So I, I cannot get enough of that. And the other part about it is the, the zero G. We have evolved here on Earth over four billion years. At least life has been around. The gravitational force has really formed us. It's a very significant part of our physiology and our perception of three-dimensional space around us. You really got to have it when you don't have it, a lot of fun stuff happens. So you may think it's fun. You may not think it's fun. I think it's fun. And the more fun you think it is, the better you'll do in it. Being able to sleep just low nowhere, it's, uh, it's just fun to turn the lights off and drive yourself in the middle of the dark. So it's like an airbed. Uh, no one else does that. I think it's a threat to them. They would rather uh, climb on a sleeping bag on the floor, which is more familiar territory, and strap themselves into the, the bag so their arms and their heads are not floating. Right. I just said, heck, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity. I have an opportunity to float different, to float head first in the sleeping bag, to crosswise, and then to throw the bag away and just hook my belt somewhere, and finally I just don't hook to anything and uh, take a ride all night. So even with a perfect drop, you're going to make contact half an hour, two hours. You'll make contact with the ship again, but it's so light, probably doesn't even wake you up. But it's fun because you don't know where the spaceship is around you, which means you don't know where ceiling or floor is. And you certainly don't know where you are over Earth, and you don't know where Earth is. You, you couldn't even point to Earth, and so you're totally lost. And that's, for me, that's kind of fun. 
That's disorienting, huh? And after a while, you lose sense that you even have limbs. Your arm's not resting on the table like mine is right now, and your arm's not resting on the bed. And so your arm, in 1G, you know, your arm is forced in a certain position by gravity. Well, that's stretching on the ligaments or tendons a little bit, and that gives you a sense that you do have an arm because you have some skin contact with something, and you have this stretching of things as gravity forces your arm into a given position. Out there, your arm is simply floating in the breeze. It's not touching anything. And uh, the extensions and the flexors are in balance, like the elbow is in balance. So you got flexors which pull the elbow in, you got extensions which push it out, but they're in balance. So everything is a total balance. You don't even know you got limbs. After a while, you have no sense you have them. And so I think that that's one wow. too. So you don't know anything. You're lost in space. Where's the earth? I don't know. Where's the vehicle? I don't know. Where's my limbs? I don't even know I got any. And so that's fun. Some people don't think it's fun. I think it's fun. <laughs> what an experience, though, to experience something completely yeah. out of the ordinary like yeah. that. that That's an adventure. Story, I know that we could talk about this for hours, but in brief, what are some of the benefits of the space program that you would like to highlight for us? Uh, space is exploration. That's what it's all about. Number one, what is space about? It's about exploration. Is What is our universe? What's our place in it? It tends to shed some light on who we should be as humans, the advanced evolutionary string that we are. And so that's what it's about. It's about what the sun about, what the moon about, what Mars. It's about what the galaxies are about, how, how many. It's about when this whole universe gets started, you know, and where's it going. And so it's all it's all huge questions. It's philosophical questions, it's technical questions, scientific questions. But it's it's exploration. So it really just places us. And it boils down to placing us to humans. Who are we? What are we? Who should we be? Where are we going? And so that's what space is all about. And you can get into other aspects, technical spin-offs and that kind of thing, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is who are we? I think humans have always wanted to explore, and yeah, yeah. I get that same wanderlust when I'm backpacking. You know, I want to yeah. see what's around the next hill yes, or in that valley. Or Yep, it's the same thing, sir. Backpacking and spaceflight is the same thing. It's just a, <laughs> yeah, it is, sir. It's the same thing. It's a different environment. You're climbing the mountain, you're climbing the clouds. It's all the same thing. And people need to understand that, that just backpacking is a great adventure. You're out there in nature. You're out there appreciating how this place got here and what it is, you know, what it means to be a human being. Backpacking is extraordinarily important. So put on your, uh, your seeing to the future goggles and tell me what your opinion is. When do you think that space will open up to civilians so that people like me can go to space and do something worthwhile? When they get the cost down. <laughs> and how does that happen? Don't know. We're not working on it yet. Yeah, it's a tough question, isn't it? No, it's not a tough question, sir. It's when are we all going to go? It's when we get the cost down. So right now it's $70 million a person. What? What did I say? Yes, I said $70 million a person. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's too much money. And so you have to have other reasons for doing it beyond just for the person to take a ride. But it is possible to get the cost down if someday we concentrate and focus on it. Even the commercial people that are working today call commercial, even their cost structure is not that far below the norm, which is too high. So when it, when is that going to happen? It does need to happen. People want it to happen, but they got to work on the cost. It's that simple. Well, it's kind of fun for me on the Adventure Sports Podcast. We interview people that are doing amazing feats all the time, climbing Everest or Denali in the wintertime, yeah. uh, people that 
run around the world physically on their feet or that have biked 60,000 miles to to see cultures and interact with others. It's it's an amazing thing yeah. to meet amazing people like that. And Story, your adventure is kind of an adventure for all of us because not many people get to do it. But I'm not in their league, sir. I'm not in their league. I'm not in their league. They're they're in a league of their own of people that do just what you said. Well, but your league is your league is really fascinating. I have risk. I have risk, but I have a very controlled environment uh, than they do, and and what it takes for them. The people you just uh, listed, you know, the the humor performance and the courage that it takes. They are way beyond me, and I have incredible love and respect for them. And I'm sure that they would feel the same way about what you've accomplished in space. The adventure that you've had is an adventure most of us can only dream about. And so that's why I feel like it's a real honor to have you on the program, to visit with you and get some insight into what it's like. We'll get that cost down someday, and then away we go. Well, isn't it basically just a thermodynamics problem? Sure. And money. (laughs) (laughs) Thermodynamics and money, right? (laughs) Time for a quick message break. So, you know, this show is brought to you by Camp Crate. They specialize in self guided, pre planned, all inclusive backpacking adventures, as well as trip advice and as well as camping gear rental. So, if you're in need of any of that stuff, reach out to them at campcrate.net. Very helpful and very knowledgeable. It's a great way to try backpacking for the first time or to scroll through their list of itineraries if you need some ideas on where to go. They will literally send you all your gear, your food, permits, coffee even, in a box to your front door. Use it for your trip. When you're done, return it with the pre-printed included return label. It's that easy. It makes backpacking and getting into the backcountry very approachable, very simple. Give them a shot. Now back to the episode. Is there anything else, a message that you would like to get out to our listeners or new projects you're working on that you'd like to talk about? What do I do in life right now? I try to pass on everything in 80 years of learning, the wisdom and uh, the lessons I learned through life. Technically, what I pass on to people is multiple domain thinking, and that is to live in a lot of different worlds, a lot of different jobs, a lot of different experiences, and how you work the hidden synergies between different disciplines and different domains to come up with brand new solutions. Those are kind of the things I do these days. Oh, that's really cool. So what would you recommend for someone who uh, is interested in science or technology or, or space or even being a part of NASA like you were? What, what should they be doing to prepare themselves for that future? Yeah, I like anything else. It's all the same. It's follow your heart. It's follow your heart and knock on the door. Mm. Do not be afraid. Knock on the door. But their future, everyone's future, is is intersection, the interaction of the native talents that you came along with, maybe the genetics your folks gave to you, along with a few other things, your native talents, the experiences you've had in life, the education you've had in life, and your energy and your passions. And so the interaction of those things, that sort of defines the possibilities you have for the next step you're going to take. So you look in the mirror, what is my skill set today, who am I, and what's the next mountain? What is the next backpacking trip I want to take? What's the next mountain I want to climb? So you look at what you got and who you are today, and you say, what are the possibilities? You know, what's the next backpacking trip that I could be prepared for, and is that window of opportunity going to open for me? Good words. 
Story, thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening. It's been an honor to visit with you. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks. You bet. Have a great night. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, Secondly, if you would like to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. Contact us on the website. Like, There's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether they're whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, a.k.a. a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast you can sign up for as little as a buck a month you can sign up for five bucks a month and lastly thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now if you want to save 20 percent off the best backpacking food on planet earth go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout use the code asp20 So after all of this outdoor talk, if you're looking to plan your own getaway, head to BackpackTribe.com and get ready for your next adventure. They have customized gear bundles and free shipping, and they'll be able to get you ready for any adventure that you want to tackle. Check them out, BackpackTribe.com.